Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Recent political events in coalition-run municipalities have cast doubt on the viability of such governments. A prime example, of course, being the city of Johannesburg, where recently the mayor and the speaker were removed through no-confidence motions. And the mayor, of course, Dr. Mpo Palati, has since been reinstated by the courts. And she's joining us now on the show uh, to talk about what has been happening in council uh, before she left and now that she is back. With immediate effect. When people resign. And I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shit. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, uh, Mayor. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to finally sit and chat. Yes. Now, now for, for a lot of ordinary South Africans, you know, and residents of Jobek in particular, uh, it might have been confusing as to why you would have gone to court for relief when from, from the outside the dispute seems to be a political one a fight between political parties and their representatives. Could you clarify as to what, what, what was the thinking process behind, behind your decision? Well, absolutely. I mean, as much as we're politicians and we operate in a political space, we also operate in a space that's governed by the laws of this country as well as the rules of council. So our council is subject to the Constitution, to the Structures Act, and our council is governed by rules that were adopted by council and provide a guiding framework on how we engage with each other and how we engage in various processes. Now, there were various violations um, across all the different activities from the programming to the council meeting itself, which we felt we could not just um, let slip. We had to approach the courts to seek relief. So just to be very specific, firstly, you've got a programming committee. It's a committee of council that sits and decides on um, agenda items that are admissible for any council meeting. The programming committee is constituted by members from different political parties. It's constituted to ensure representation. So it's very important, the constitution, because of the many political parties, I think we have 18 parties in council now. You want to ensure that minorities are represented and, you know, and all the various political parties are represented. Such a, um, a meeting of the programming committee should correlate in order for the decisions of the programming committee to, to be able to hold. Unfortunately, here we had a programming committee that was not correlating. And the reason it wasn't correlating is because there wasn't even sufficient notice for that programming committee meeting. Now, what happened was after the election of the speaker, on the day that the speaker was elected, she took to the, 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 the podium of the speaker's chair she made an announcement that there would be a special council meeting after recess. Recess was from the 1st of October to the 10th of October. So in the minds of all councillors following that announcement, we were only going to have council after the 10th of October. Now, this was already at the end of September. 
Um, people would have had other plans. Some people would have started traveling for recess and so on and so forth. So overnight, she has a change of mind and she decides, no, actually she wants a programming meeting within three hours. So she only gives counselors a three hour notice to appear at the Metro Center in Bramfontein for this for this uh, programming meeting. Now, things are not done like that in council. That's the first thing. The, the meeting did not correct, as I've already said, because of the short notice. And she then tables a motion that was deemed inadmissible by a prior programming meeting. It was deemed inadmissible because it did not meet the requirements for a motion to be admissible by council. One of the requirements is that you cannot have um, an item in the motion for discussion that is before the courts. And one of the, the items that's listed in that motion is currently before the courts. And because of that, a prior programming meeting had deemed it inadmissible and, and had decided therefore that it cannot go through to council. The speaker forced um, this motion through to council and it was the motion of no confidence in myself. And then again, within less than a 72 hour notice, which is the normal notice that we provide before a council meeting can be called. And the, the speaker then calls a council meeting within a 20 hour notice um, after this programming meeting. And um, at this meeting, which we deem illegal because of the short notice, and she then presents this inadmissible motion, which is the motion of no confidence in myself. It is voted upon. Um, she bulldozes her way through everything, doesn't allow for debate, doesn't allow for any members of other parties to speak, um, completely ignores all points of order. So tramples on democracy 100%. Goes ahead and, and approves this motion of no confidence and then goes on to get the IEC to set up for the election of a mayor without notice. If you look at the notice for the council meeting, as much as it was short notice, it spoke of the motion of no confidence. It didn't speak about the election of a mayor. Now, if you, 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 if you can imagine for any IEC process, you need councillors present. They must be there with the ID books and ready to cast their vote. That was not observed at all. So there was various violations and we took these arguments to the court and it was agreed that in fact um, she had ulterior motives and she completely trampled upon our democracy. Mm. And the court, you know, you know, as as we all know, actually agreed with your position. But the decision of the court would not have removed the fundamental political issue, you know, which seems to be that some of the of the parties in 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 council actually wanted you out. As mayor, now the, the question I, I wanted to ask you is: in the run-up uh, to what has happened, you're leaving, or, or you know, and and you're being voted out, and then you're coming back uh, via the, the court decision. Uh, do you think that you may have been politically outmaneuvered? You could did, did you not see this coming? So politics is a very strange game. Um, people enter politics for different reasons. I'm in politics because I was a medical doctor and I couldn't help the, my patients. I couldn't help them beyond giving them treatment. And I saw there were many social determinants of health that were working against me. They live in conditions, their lack of access to proper housing, proper basic services, and so on. And that's why I'm in politics. But some people are in politics for other reasons. Some people are in politics to make money. Uh, to have access to resources, access to contracts, access to jobs for their pals and caters and so on. And so you'll see this behavior where political parties along the way seek greener pastures. Now, in our coalition, 
we, we, we'd like to believe that we're an anti-corrupt coalition. We're a coalition of hope. We focus on service delivery and what's best for our, our residents. We believe that the NC coalition, on the other hand, is, is, is focused on corruption and how each, the, each of the different parties can get their hands on the pie. You know, and and we believe that that's really what happened with the Patriotic Alliance deciding to jump ship to the opposite side. The Patriotic Alliance had one portfolio in our coalition. They had the health and social development portfolio. They had already said um, from the very beginning that they would like two portfolios. They really badly wanted economic development. Unfortunately, that portfolio was in the hands of the Action SA and we could not give it to them. We only had health available as the Freedom Front Plus made it available for them by moving over to the legislative side of council. And unfortunately, after some months and after some discussions with the ANC, they got a better offer from the ANC and then they ended up with transport and housing. And I suppose that was more palatable for them. And that's what made them move over to the other side. So it was never really about me as the mayor. Um, it, if you listen to all the parties, it wasn't about Popalat. It was about... Uh, you know, those kinds of dynamics, particularly where the, where the patriotic alliance is concerned. Mm, mm. I'd like your take on, you know, after, after the, the, the vote had happened uh, and Dada Morero, you know, had, had been installed, you know, for that short period of time. You know, there was a, 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 a refrain about uh, the DA being arrogant and I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was about. Do you understand what... Uh, you are being accused of that you are being voted out because the DA was being arrogant. The narrative about the DA being arrogant is not new. Uh, it's been there, you know, over the years. Um, whenever there's disagreement with the Democratic Alliance, they they're accused of being arrogant. Now, in this particular instance, we have we had a nine political party coalition governed by a coalition agreement, which stayed. Um, very clearly as to which political party would be given which position in the administration. So from the position of mayor, speaker, chief whip, chair of chairs, various MNCs and chairpersons of oversight committees. Now, we believe as a democratic alliance that when you sign an agreement, you need to adhere to that agreement until such time that the agreement is reviewed and there is a clause in the agreement that makes room for, for, for a review of the coalition agreement. And when that happens, then the review can happen, you know, and then a, a, a new agreement will be put together and it will be signed and so on. We had a situation here where our speaker was ousted in a motion of no confidence, creating a vacancy. It was the view of the Democratic Alliance that we need to replace that speaker when we go into the election of a speaker with a speaker from the Democratic Alliance, since that position was given to the DA as per the coalition agreement and a review of the agreement had not yet happened. And it was because of this idea that other coalition partners decided that the Democratic Alliance was arrogant, um, that they should have been more flexible and that they should have been able to allow another party to field a, a speaker candidate. The view of the DA was that you know, let's field our candidate for now. And if in the review, it is decided that a different political party should hold the speaker position, then the Democratic Alliance would agree to that and support that. Mm -hmm. I hear you the, about the, the issue of principle, uh, of where the, the DA stands uh, in terms of uh, sticking to agreements, etc. But another person might say, well, politics is the art of the possible. It's compromise, give and take. 
the Democratic Alliance believes in all of the above. We believe in compromise, we believe in give and take, and we've demonstrated it many times. Um, you'll recall that we almost recruited a city manager and some of our partners were not in favor of us recruiting this particular city manager. And we were able to compromise as a democratic alliance and we allowed the city of Tswani to recruit the same candidate. So there's been many instances where as the democratic alliance, we've compromised, we've, we've had our own give and take. You know, it's not as though we've had our way through and through. If you look at the number of seats that were held by the democratic alliance in the coalition, we had 71 of 140 seats, which is over 50% of the seats. But if you look at the MMC positions, as an example, we only had four of 10 MMCs. And, and that was because we understood that we got the mayor, the speaker and the chief whip. So there was a lot of give and take. I don't think that that we did not compromise at all. I think here we're talking about an agreement that was signed. And, and as per that agreement, the Democratic Alliance believed that it should be, we should all st stick to it um, until such time that we sign a different agreement. Mm. Now, no sooner have you uh, come back into, into office than there's already talk of uh, another motion being put forward. Uh, to 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 remove you from 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 office, you know, you obviously are aware, you know, that 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 is not going to be uh, an easy ride, you know, or or a peaceful stay in office. Uh, is 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 there could, could, from where you're sitting? Could you be voted again shortly? It's politics again. Anything is possible. I'd be naive to say that oh, it will never happen, you know, especially given the events of the last few months. However. You know, again, I, I will say it's politics. Things can change. You know, a party can vote this way today and tomorrow they vote differently. So we're going into that um, motion of no confidence with the hope that we will remain in office. We are currently negotiating to work out exactly how we will achieve that. And, um, and yeah, we remain hopeful that we will be able to stay in office regardless. Mm. You're negotiating with other parties in council, you mean? We're negotiating amongst ourselves as a coalition so we can agree on the best strategy to undergird our coalition. And once our partners have agreed on what that is, then yes, of course, they will reach outside the coalition as well. Mm. Then, then the intriguing thing, you know, that, that, that I wanted to, to, to ask you is the, the report, your reported uh, suggestion that uh, the DA works with, uh, with the EFF which apparently was not accepted by, by FedEx. Um, I, I, I just wanted to understand how is it that you would be open to working with the EFF, but perhaps not so much uh, with, uh, with, 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 with Action SA? I don't have issues working with Action SA. I've, I've always worked with Action SA. In fact, we're working with them as we speak. They are back in the coalition. I had a mayoral committee meeting last night. Action SA MNCs were in that meeting. I've given them letters to reaffirm their return to their various portfolios. There's been no reshuffling. So they, I have no issues working with Action SA at all. Mm -hmm. And and your preference for the EFF? Am, am I reading this correctly? That that that, uh, or, or or was the report correct that you preferred working with the EFF as well? It's not a it, it's not a preference over another party. It's, remember, politics and council is a numbers game. So in order for you to survive a motion of no confidence, the numbers must be on your side. And as it stands, we have a minority government. In other words, we're less than fifty percent plus one in our voting block. And with that being the case, you then need to explore what other options you have 
to evade a motion of no confidence. And one of the possibilities is looking at the EFF with their 29 seats that helped the, 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 the opposition or the ANC and their voting bloc to vote in the illegal motion of no confidence or even to oust the speaker and vote in a new speaker those 29 seats are quite quite significant and and if we're able to have a healthy working relationship with the eff those seats could be swayed our way i was not proposing that the eff be a full coalition member i think that would be difficult and i think the, the eff would agree that because our values and principles are so different yeah it would not necessarily be easy to be in a full-on coalition agreement with them but if you look at the situation and say a grileni where we have a minority government but we have a mayor that has a healthy working in relationship with the EFF and they've been able to to stand and 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 we're hoping today that they will defeat the motion of no confidence for the same reason you know it pays to have good working relations with other parties in the council and that's really what i was hoping to achieve unfortunately um, when I reached out to the EFF, they wanted to engage at a national level, and that's why I had to engage the FedEx on the matter. Otherwise, I could have just dealt with it locally. Okay, all right. Now, now, if I'm a, I'm a, a, a resident of the of the city of of, of Johannesburg, as I am, um, I'm sure you will you will agree that a lot of people are now exasperated actually with what has been going on in council you know that that we've had months upon months of of constant bickering and conflict among the parties but it's not clear as to what is the agenda for the city uh, by which we can we can judge the the city government by uh, you know just to see you know what what lie what benefit is there for for us as citizens of 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 Joburg. Um, the, the, what, do you do you think that uh, co- the, the coalition arrangements are for the benefit of the of the of the citizens of of Jobek? Definitely. I mean, I I don't agree that there is no clear agenda for the city. The multi-party government outlined seven mayoral priorities. Um, spanning the, the the length and breadth of all our departments and portfolios. And we've been at work to achieve those. In fact, I, I had a report back session where I reported that we had reached 71% of our targets in just 10 months in office. So there's quite a lot that we are doing. If you look at the electricity crisis in Johannesburg, we were on the verge of issuing a request for proposals to to recruit independent power producers to come and assist us to offset load shedding, you know, um, meet our energy capacity gaps, and so on and so forth. And that's just one area where we've really invested a lot in the last 10 months. Um, There are many, many developments that have happened, and there's a clear plan of action, and that has been shared with our residents, and we keep updating them on developments. I don't think that being in a coalition precludes you from having a clear plan of action and actually rolling it out. I can safely say that we have done really, really well as the multi-party government to start rebuilding the city. And many residents are seeing the change and there's very many positive reviews um, to that effect. So in, in terms of coalitions working for the people, I do think that if there's political maturity, if there is a shared vision, if the coalitions are driven by same values, same 
principals or the partners in the coalition, I do think that, yes, coalitions can work for residents. Um, they just need to agree on where they're taking the city and they need to agree that they're going to put residents first in spite of political differences and differences there will be. It's, it's quite unrealistic to expect that in a coalition, there will never be conflict. Um, you know, a coalition is a team and, and there's always conflict in any team of any kind, whether it's a marriage, you know, whether it's a family of siblings, whether it's a, 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 a team at work um, in the corporate sector, there's always conflict. It's part and parcel of our day-to-day -day lives. What's important is how you manage that conflict and how you, you prevent that conflict from, from precluding your, your delivery on your actual agenda. Mm. Let's talk about the two pain points for, for, for the residents of, 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 of Joburg, uh, one being electricity and the other being water. What is the plan there? So we've always been very open with residents about the backlogs that we've inherited. Because of years and years of neglect, of maladministration, um, there was no repairs and maintenance of our infrastructure, our water infrastructure, our sewer infrastructure, as well as our electricity infrastructure. Now, as a result of that, we find our infrastructure is crumbling. And that's why we're sitting with the problems that we're sitting with today. Our infrastructure backlog was estimated to be at around 300 billion rands against a capital budget in one financial year of around um, 7.7 7 billion. So you can see the huge difference in, in supply and demand there. And yet we, we expected to somehow perform miracles and be able to resolve all these issues in, in, in nine months or even 10 months. So we've been very honest with residents because we need to take them along with us as we seek to resolve these issues. Now, what do we do given the limited resources? We need to reach out beyond ourselves. It means reaching out to the private sector. I've already indicated that in the electricity space, we held a two-day energy in Dubai, inviting independent power producers and small-scale energy generators and saying, come and tell us how you can help us to meet the electricity needs of the city. This uh, event was very successful, actually oversubscribed. There was huge interest from the private sector. And then we started a process uh, where we worked with the National Treasury towards issuing a request a request for proposals. And I believe that that will be done in the month of October. Unfortunately, we were ousted illegally before it could be done. But I know that MMC Sun is back on top of his portfolio and he'll make sure that where there have been delays, we manage to pull through. Um, in terms of water, the same can be said. There's been a, a neglect of the water infrastructure. Our pipes are old, our pipes are leaking. We are losing around 40% of our water because of old leaking pipes. We've not been investing even in reservoirs. Reservoirs are important for reserves. When Rand Water, for instance, where we purchase bulk water, when they have maintenance, many of our places get affected because we don't have adequate storage in, in, in our reservoirs. That is, that it's a huge problem. But also where we have leaks in areas that have a flat rate, for instance, there's no incentive for reporting leaks and, and so we lose a lot of water. So we're also introducing a lot of smart meters 
to ensure that we're able to have remote detection of leaks and we're able to respond fairly quickly so we reduce losses. We're also educating our residents on on conserving and and preserving water and using water wisely so that we can have enough at all times. But ultimately, we're also looking at triple Ps. Um, I undertook a study tour with with MMC Sun, the MMC for Jobic Water, um, as well as some officials, including the MD for Jobic Water, to look at what is possible. And there's a lot of interest out there in investing in our water infrastructure by the private sector. And we've engaged our triple P office to look at what's doable. Uh, of course, we've engaged the National Treasury as well as triple P's can be tricky. So that is what we're thinking of doing. Because if you look at the backlog against the, the, the access we have to capital, again, we fall short. I think Joburg Water has said they need about 25 billion rands to stabilize water supply in the city. And like I've said, our capital budget for this financial year is only 7.7, just as an example. Mm. And But, but Mayor, is, is there a timeline uh, to, to, to the plans, particularly in relation to water and electricity as to when we might see as the citizens of Joburg, when we might see the back of the electricity crisis and, and, and the water problems. So with electricity in particular, they had given us a plan to 2030, so a, an eight-year plan that would cost the city about $26 billion. Now, if we're able to attract capital or attract partners who can help us do it quicker, we would be able to do it quicker. And in my view, we should try and do it in one term of office. So in other words, by the end of this political term, we should have stabilized um, electricity supply in the city. And as far as water supply is concerned, again, it's, it is um, contingent on external resources. And like I said, as, as, as opposed to electricity, where we're already quite advanced in our plans with water, we, we just over the exploratory phase, we're working with the Triple P office to look at what is it that we can attract by way of partnerships, external investment, capital, and so on to, to resolve these issues. And then we'll be able to tell you exactly how long it will take to resolve it. Mm. And, and just, just one, one last thing regarding electricity. Would this be off the back of, uh, depending on ESCOM, or are you looking at a mix of, of self-generation as well, together with ESCOM? So, so ideally, we're not trying to take ESCOM out of business. That's not what we're trying to do. There are many ESCOM supply areas in Johannesburg. Soweto is one, Santon is another one, your Ivory Park, and, and even in Region G um, around your, your Orange Farm areas. Those are ESCOM supply areas. And ideally, we, ESCOM should continue to supply electricity, but we're very concerned because ESCOM is failing us and it's failing our residents. We've got load shedding now because of ESCOM inefficiency and we'd like to offset load shedding in Johannesburg, particularly considering that we are an economic hub and we can't afford any downtime. We contribute about 15% towards the city's, um, the country's GDP, rather. And, and so, you know, we need to keep the city working. In fact, there are many in the business sector who are saying, why don't you even take the city to a 24-hour to, to working city? However, you can't do that if you have an adequate electricity supply. So it's very important for Johannesburg to stabilize electricity and 
to the extent that ESCOM is not able to to supply on a consistent basis and cannot be relied upon, we do need to explore other options. And and so, yes, we we are exploring and we're starting very soon to bring on board external players. We'll see how it goes. Mm. Now, now, Mayor, the the life of a medical doctor, you know, which you were trained as, and the life of the mayor of Jobek, uh, dealing with all kinds of complications and and, and people trying to to do you under are, are completely different. Uh, has it ever occurred to you at any point to just feel that you know what you've had enough of all the nonsense? You just would like to go to medicine, go back to medicine. So many times I feel like I've had enough because it's not an easy space to work in. You are constantly subjected to abuse from all angles. Um, however. I've never considered going back to medicine because that would be regressive in my view. The reason I put down my stethoscope in the first place is because I could not solve the problems that were outside of the four walls of my consulting room that that I needed to solve in order for my patients to improve. So if I have a diabetic who has no access to nutritious food, who's unemployed, doesn't have a working fridge or doesn't have access to electricity to store their insulin, as an example, it doesn't matter how much insulin I give them, they're not going to improve. And, and so I, I felt disempowered as a medical doctor. And that's why I decided to enter politics in order for me to, to be able to play in a, in a space that affords me the opportunity to effect change outside of just um, of your hospitals or clinics or the health system, so to speak. So, so no, I don't think it's an option for me at this point. As much as politics is tough, um, I think I need to put on my big girl panties and keep going. Mm. Well, on that note uh, of putting on our overalls and big girl panties, uh, we're going to wrap it up there on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. And we'd like to thank uh, our special guest for today, the Executive Mayor of Johannesburg, Dr. Mpo Palazzi. Uh, we appreciate your time, ma'am. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country. Mm-hmm.